I hate when the computers don't do what you want them to do. Well, it's only a matter of time before that's all they're going to do. It's funny. Yeah, we went from a period of time where computers didn't do anything we wanted them to do and slowly came to a time when they almost did what we wanted them to do, but occasionally drove us crazy. And you're right. In the future, they're going to end up somewhere where they just do what they want to do, not what we want them yeah, to do. They're still not going to do what we want them to do. They're going to do what they want to do. This and is, we're, we, humans are just going to get left behind. This is just a big, it. long tease, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that way. We're never going to get what we wanted, what we were Ever. promised. Nope. World's going to go to hell. <laughs> Rise of the machines. Going to be. You ever see Terminator? That's where we're headed. Right there. Uh, did, did you or see, Alien. Were you scared of those movies when you were a kid? No, I loved them. Okay, loved them. No fear of of the Terminator. No, no. The 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 film that I okay. So I my mom worked like many parents, single mom, right? So I was in daycare. Uh, and when I was, what would I have been? 75. So what is that? Eight years old. They thought it would be a good idea to take the kids to a movie. And so we saw Jaws on the big screen and it terrified <laughs> me, terrified me. Yeah. Well, you as, know, cause, uh, cause then I go out to Arizona and my dad, you know, all right, jump in the water, get to the lake. The and I'm like, mm, we're going to eat a bigger boat. You know, that whole thing. As, as someone who watches Jaws at least once a year for his wife's birthday because it's her yeah. birthday movie um yeah. i could imagine that being terrifying as a child terrifying quint quint getting eaten the blood coming out of his mouth yeah the, with the, the head coming Sorry, out of the spoiler boat alert. when they're underneath yeah <laughs> it's about a shark yeah. <laughs> hey you, you know what we have not done since we since we started doing these things again you know what we've not done what we never say the name of the show oh go ahead <laughs> you go you you go you're just supposed to know. Well, it's. I guess that's the thing, right? If you know, you know, right? I figured. Sorry, blah. I figured if, if you someone just spit up all over yourself, I just had tea in my throat when I tried to talk. Um, I figured if anybody was clicking play on the thing that says "On Taking Pictures," they should realize that you're listening to "On Taking Pictures." There you go. With Jeffrey Sedoris and Bill Wadman, um, yeah. we've been here for three hundred and forty-six thousand years. Right. This is episode three forty-nine. Three forty-nine. Yeah, so we're still about twelve hundred off of Ibaria Nex and the Candid Frame. But you know, has he done that many? No, I don't. don't. (laughs) Twelve hundred. I think he's done eight hundred and something. Uh, Yeah. You know what? Let me look. You Uh, know, I will say that um, my wife does a zombie podcast called Reanimated Podcast. Yeah. And they're almost up to 300. They're over 300 now. I'm like, Oh, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Actually. I think they may have beat us. They might be over the top of us. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And well, cause you know, she didn't take four well, we did years take off a five year break. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so geez, you just want to take a that. nap for a minute and suddenly everyone yeah. rushes ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Ibarri next, I was just in California, not just, but a couple weeks ago. Sure. And Ibari Nix called me out of the blue, and it was so sweet to hear from him. While you were in, did he know you were in California? Nope, had no idea. Just said, "Hey, I was thinking about you, and just wanted to reach out and say hello." Oh, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He, um, uh, yeah, it's funny. Whenever anybody says like, "Oh, I'll be a guest on your show," it's like, "Have you listened to our show? We don't have guests on the show." (laughs) Our friend has a show that has guests on it. Hello, marketing emails. Exactly. Uh, let's see. He is up to episode six thirteen. Ooh, 
George Lang is a photographer whose pictures have appeared in almost all major magazines, ranging from, ranging from Entertainment Weekly to... Oh, oh thanks. How did you it know, go? When, when How exactly did it go away? The, the podcast app refreshes. Oh, okay. You, and it just kills what I was just looking at. Now, thanks. this would be the, the podcast app um, uh, built into iOS. Um, uh, macOS. macOS. Yeah. Oh, that's what you use, really. Interesting. Yeah, here we go. Sorry, George Lang. Uh, where were we? Uh, ranging from Entertainment Weekly to Esquire, George has shot advertising photos for many movies and TV shows, including Seinfeld, The Today Show, Cake Boss, and Jim Carrey's movies. Most recently, he worked with Northwest Venture Partners, Twilio, the Richard King Mellon Foundation, and the Grammy Award-winning Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, blah, blah, blah. He has uh, shot a lot of great pictures. We should stick yeah. him in our uh, file. So go listen. Barry Nex is a good guy. He deserves your time. Yes. Does, does he need our help? Or do, I'm sure he has five times no. the amount of listeners that we have. <laughs> no, he doesn't need our help. Actually, if he's listening, how about you plug us on your show? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's good stuff. Hey, uh, did yeah. you buy anything on Black Friday? Uh, I, a couple things I bought, uh, okay. So I, I bought a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, an SSD drive. I've heard of the another solid little, state drive. Yeah. Another little two terabyte, um, crucial SSD that it, it was $87 for a two terabyte SSD. Yeah, they got cheap. $87. And, and now they're back up to 130 something. So that I bought that. Um, there, there, anything else? There were, um, uh, I'll get back to that one second, but it just reminds me that I saw the other day, Samsung, like their low end, the drives with the QLC NAND in them. Um, yeah. but they had eight terabyte, you know, two and a half inch format, um, for internal for three eighty four or something like that. And I was for just thinking terabytes. Wow. that's almost cheap enough to replace all the drives in my NAS with SSDs instead. Yeah. You know, that's it's getting down to the price where it's like, okay, yeah, it's still double what hard disks are around there, but it's not 10 times yeah. what hard disks are. I remember uh, my friend Steve uh, Catalano had a, a an SGI rig at his mm -hmm. house mm -hmm. and brought, you know, invited me over. He's like, you got to come over. I got a new disk array. I'm sorry. Was he a member of the Getty family? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His, his his well, Steve's dad was uh, the dad on Lost in Space and mm. played Zorro, you know, in the old okay. Guy Williams. Got it. Um, but Steve, you know, fantastic guy, and and he he's like, you got to come over. I just got this new twenty gigabyte, not terabyte, gigabyte Falcon array, and it was like nine thousand dollars for sure. this twenty gig Falcon array. What, so, what year yeah, were this event? Two thousand uh, somewhere on there. Yeah, ninety seven maybe. Something like that, ninety six, yeah. ninety seven. Yeah, it's, it's uh stuff has gotten good and fast. So, so but, but walking in and seeing an octane, sure, you know, sitting next to the desk, you're yeah. like, hmm, okay. What was was he doing animation? Was he what was he? Yeah, doing he was doing it? doing uh, CG and and okay. simulations, which at the time, you know, was very very high. End. These are things now, you needed for that. Yeah. Yes. Now you can you know fire up your MacBook and put Blender on it and have infinitely more capability. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so what, so what, what is your plan? Do you have a, do you have a system here? What, what is your system with your drives? You're going to keep that plugged in all the time into your mini. I have two of them plugged in. One is like my working drive and the other one is just the backup of the working drive. So it's always backing up. And then I've got a, a always as in once a day, once a, how do you have that set up? 
Probably once a week. Okay. You know, maybe even once every other week. I don't know. I just got it set up. So I'm, I'm still, okay. I don't, I don't really know um, how I'm going to do it. Do you use a time machine? No, I use super duper. Okay. Um, it's gotten super more duper. You can just change the Delta. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the, like smart backup or whatever it's called. You can, um, it's interesting. I used to clone my drives with super duper and then super duper got tricky a few years ago when they sw- changed the way Mac OS does the system drive in your data drives where it all looks like one drive to you, but it's actually multiple drives. And now they've right. locked the OS portion of it and cryptographically locked it. And it, it, it got complicated for a while and it didn't, and, and super duper didn't work quite as well. Right. I'm assuming they've got that all figured out now. I, I don't know because I don't. I, I, oh, then again, you're not doing your boot is, drive. You're doing a secondary. No, drive. I don't do anything to the system drive because all it's got is a few applications. And if I ever need to reinstall, okay, there are five applications sure. beyond the stock apps that I use. And that's really it. Um, yeah, it's, it, I use the APFS does that cool thing where you can create. Oh, God, the hell with the hell are they called? Uh, the virtual partition sort of thing. Right, 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 right. So I've got a work container. Oh, they're con- containers. That's what they're called. I have work container, which, you know, is separate from my main OS drive just so that I can blow out the main drive if I have to. And mm. my work container is still there with all the stuff on it. But I have, because I got the, the, the Synology in the closet, I have that set up as a time machine server thing. So mm-hmm. all the Macs in the house, just sort of like when they're online on the network, they go, oh, yeah, you're there. Okay, let me back you up. Um, I've never hey, had to use it. Did you end up buying it, but... Capital, uh, Capital One? <laughs> What's in your wallet? Did you end up <laughs> buying Capture One? <laughs> For half price. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. And that's part of the why I put the Black Friday thing in. Um, mm. Yeah, that's cheap. Is it still going or did it end yesterday? Uh, it may have ended yesterday. I don't know. But yeah, for the last three days or so, uh, Capture One was on sale for half price, basically, which yeah. is a really good price. It was like $7 a month or something. The problem yeah, I have- back it, up to fourteen ninety two. Yeah. That's a strange <laughs> number. Is it run by the- you know, Columbus's <laughs> family or something. It's really, that's an odd number, right? 1492 a month. It's like, uh, it's like some sort of like Genovese Italian. Uh, yeah. It's really strange. Not 99. The price will 92. be 14 to 92. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Sorry. I never noticed that. Um, yeah, apologies to all of the Italians <laughs> in the audience uh my feeling about it um is this i currently use a version of capture 122 which is not the current version that i bought and there's no a, upgrade path to you for for 23 well so i have a perpetual license um mm. i decided to do a perpetual license because i don't need the newest version all the time right 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 and it worked out to be that the perpetual license was like 30% more than just buying one year of the thing. I think I bought it maybe mm. even an EDU version of it for 199 when I could get EDU pricing on B&H because of the stuff with the Eddie Adams. Oh, right. That's right, right, one right. of the benefits of being on Black Team of Eddie Adams is that you get to uh, get EDU pricing at B&H that year. Um, 
or at least it has been some years. Don't quote me on that, but th- that was one of the nice things. We also got uh, a year free of the Adobe Photo Bundle, so I'm now currently paying for it because I didn't go this year. So right. I just started paying for that again, which was nice. But anyway, the, you're doing the just the photo, uh, just the Photoshop photo, Lightroom. Yeah, I you know f- for video stuff, I use uh, uh, DaVinci Resolve anyway, and right. you know I don't I don't, and then I have Affinity designer or whatever for the odd time that i need to do something that involves vectors i'll just use the affinity stuff affinity has a fabulous upgrade going on right now it ends on december 5th if you are uh if you're a previous owner of any of the software you can get the universal license for 74 bucks for all three apps mac and pc and all three apps on ipad oh really so yeah it's a fantastic deal um they're stacking the 40 percent off with the the 20% discount that you get or 25% discount. I bought photo design. I think I bought photo for, for iPad and I have designer and yes. So you can get the universal license with everything for 74 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Even if like, even if you don't use it all the time, I I'm jumping back into Photoshop, but I'll still use it occasionally and I'll use designer and publisher. So it was a, you know, $74 and no brainer. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, uh, so Capture One, I use the old version. And then uh, recently you and I were talking, I don't know, online or off. And, and I said, you know, I haven't tried the newest version. The things that they've added, they've added all these sort of AI masking tools and stuff like, you know, choose right. the sky, choose the person, whatever, that kind of stuff. And I played with them and the masks, they weren't good enough to use as I would still bring things into Photoshop and do work on them. So yeah. at that point, well, what am I doing it here for? Is this- Even Photoshop, though, man, it, it's still the yeah. way they do it in the little promos. It, it's, you know, one and done. But that's not the way any of these tools work. No. In my experience, there's still some manual tweaking that needs to be done. Is that uh, your case as well? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. it's one of those things where if you're looking at it, if you have it, if you're, you know, command zero, you have it at fit to screen or whatever it is. But you're mm-hmm. using a 50 megapixel or 100 megapixel file. And you say, choose that person. And, and, and they show you the demo of that. And you're just like, wow, look, it just selected the person. That's perfect. Right. But then you zoom in to the edges of the person's sweater or yeah. what have you. And you're just like, well, that's close. Or, you know, I mean, they're, yeah, that works, I guess, if you softened that a little bit and tucked it in over here. And I mean, it certainly does a way better job on hair than you could man- do manually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, almost always I have to go in there and tweak things. Unless it's the kind of thing where I know that this, the changes that I'm making to the subject and the background, which is what I do a lot of times now, I'll select the person and then make that a folder with that mask mm-hmm. that I can do stuff mm-hmm. inside of. And then I'll, I'll invert that mask and have another folder so that I could say, bring the background down 5 10% bring the person up a little bit, you know what I mean? To change like the ratio of the lighting background to foreground um, or color or whatever, have whatever stuff you want to do, mostly curves adjustments. Um, right. Anyway, it works. It works fine for that. But yeah, you're right. If you were doing some really clean, needed some really perfect selection, you can't just click and say, yeah, grab that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, do you, as, do you yeah, go ahead. As, as a photographer, what has had more of an impact on the quality of your work, the technical quality of your work, hardware or software in the past, let's say 10 years? 
other than some of those selection tools in Photoshop, I don't think that I use any of the tools that Photoshop has added in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I think overall for me, probably just the dynamic range of sensors and stuff now, like having a better mm-hmm. file to start working with mm-hmm. has had the most effect. But, you know, I guess that, I mean, that's even a discussion right there. It's like, you know, the way you use Photoshop, is it still kind of the way you used Photoshop 20 years ago? Yes. Which is... It's, it's, it's a digital collage tool for me. That, that's, the, right. that's the bulk of how I use it. Right. You know, I'm not out there like, uh, what was his name that we used to always bring up? Burt Monroy. You know, I'm not out there like, <laughs> you know, painting 5,200 layers by hand to create this 40 foot wide. You know, th- that's not how I use it. Right. And I think, I don't think that's... I don't think that's that's all that uncommon. I think a lot of people have a a way of using whether it's Lightroom or Photoshop or Capture One or, you know, even Resolve. They have their tool set that they find or their workflow that they find. And it kind of doesn't matter what the upgrade is if it doesn't directly affect your workflow. Yes. And and that is exactly how I feel about the Capture One stuff. You know, I Mm. could have bought a year of the new one, but what does the new one do that the old one doesn't do that I use? Hmm. Right. Okay. And I think that's, it's that way for hardware too. You know, it's like, okay, well this camera will do X, Y, and Z that the previous version didn't do, but do you need X, Y, and Z? Jeffrey, I need global shutter. (laughs) If I don't have global shutter. Oh my God. Would you would. Oh, (laughs) I need 30 frames. Photography forever. Really? Is it though? I need 30 frames per second. I need, you know, active autofocus in the upper left-hand corner of the frame. Right. At 30 frames a second. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It is interesting, though, that we get in the same way, I think, that we listen to the music we listened to when we were in college. Pretty much. Um, I mean, there are outliers, certainly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've I've learned a ton of new bands from Adrian that I would never have found. Well, where's she getting them? She's, she's just got great taste in music. And I think it's part of from being in a band and yeah. she's just dialed in the, the style of music that she listened to in college was different than what I listened to. And I was influenced, like, you know, bands like Band of Horses and Dawes sure. and uh, the Avett Brothers and, you know, and then things that we've found together on the back of those bands like Tedeschi Trucks and Shovels and Rope and, sure. you know, all of these sort of rootsy kind of Americana bands that I likely wouldn't have found you know, listening to talk, talk and Depeche mode. Sure. No. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, but it is interesting though, that we, you know, we listen to the same music. I photograph things with the same techniques that I used when I learned how to use things with strobes. Right. I mean, nowadays all these strobes are all TTL. They're all smart. They can all auto ratio. They can do all these fancy things. The new thing now is that the strobes you can, take a picture with TTL and then say that lighting ratio you just figured out using TTL metering, lock that in as a manual thing. Oh, so it's not re-TTLing cool. every time, right? That's kind of cool. It is cool. And um, you could save it kind of as a preset. Yeah, you could say, no, 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 that, that is now like whatever you just chose, lock that in. Sort of like a, auto, like a you know exposure lock on a camera. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. It is cool. I've never used it. I've never used TTL metering on my lights even though it's like one of the i just always do things manual 
I take a shot. If it's way too overexposed, pull it down a stop or two. Okay. Am I close? Up a little, up a little. Okay. Boom. And three shots or whatever. I've got it generally tuned in. Right. Um, so at, at what point do our, at what point do our preferences yeah. become a rut? Well, that's in keeping, in keeping us from moving forward, keeping us from making different, maybe even better work. Yeah. Is, is, is the way I'm doing this a bad way to do it? Yeah. I keep coming it's, back it's to it. It's familiar for sure. Right? Sure. But whenever I yeah. go and try the sort of automatic routes of these things, they frustrate me enough that I say, oh, I'll just do it by hand. You know? Is it frustrating because it doesn't work or is it frustrating because it's unfamiliar um, or, or, or some combination of both? Worse than both of those things, it's unpredictable. Oh, okay. Okay. And for me... So now you have to course correct in real time rather than kind of knowing where you're going to get to with a given workflow. Yes. It's, it's okay. Predictability is the thing for me. It's like, I know mm. the thing that I do works. Maybe it takes longer than if I had used automated tools this time. But but on average, I think my method is faster and more reliable and I know what I'm getting, right? It's one less thing for me to think about. It's one less thing for me to worry about. It's yeah. part of what drives me crazy about the Fuji is that I feel like sometimes it's making all these decisions that I don't want it to make. And you're oh. turning as much as you can off because it sometimes it's fighting you. You know, it's just like, wait, I, why is that that bright? That's it's weird. Coming back to the top of the show, it's doing what it wants to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> And so I, I know you want this at one three twentieth, but I think one two fiftieth is really going to be. Yeah, better. it's like, wait, why did you change that? I just I didn't tell you to change that, right? And now I'm thinking about the camera, and I'm not thinking about the person in front of me. You know, so you know what? I'm just going to put it all into manual, and yeah, but then Bill, you're giving up all of these magical things that the engineers in Japan have figured out over the last five years. It's like, right? Well, right. Do those things help me? I mean, I'm sure the, th the, I guess the question is, is if somebody learned Photoshop now, would they be using it dramatically different than I do? I mean, I, okay. For example. Oh God, I think so. I, I, I see the, the tutorials and the, and the, you know, reels of, of people using it now, like, you know, people in their twenties or even younger and they're using it in ways that I never would think to use it. Well, my, my favorite are the ones where there's no talking cause they're trying to make it language nonspecific. Right. So it just. It shows somebody doing something in Photoshop and it puts a big X through it or somebody's hand comes and goes, no, no, no. Not this way. Like, yeah, 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 it shows yeah. you a new way to do it. And sometimes they're just like, wait, what did they do? And it'll actually be something like, oh, I would have done it the first way. Wait, why is this better? Wait, show me. Like, and I'll go and I'll look at those things. And a lot of times they're, yeah, weird ways of using the tools that I wouldn't have thought. Mm -hmm. And definitely the kind of thing where I'd have to write it down and practice it a few times to figure out exactly what's going on. Whether it's like some weird colors, you know, oh, I need to remove this hair from this thing. Oh, here's this way of, you know, taking these three channels and inverting them and putting them through this blur layer and then putting that down as a overlay. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what did you just do? <laughs> Why can't, or can't I just use the pen tool? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but I guess, is there any, yeah, you're right. Is there anything wrong with just continuing the way you do things? Because it's the way you work. It's, you know, I've been using a hammer this way for 20 years. Why do I need to learn how to use a hammer again? Yeah. I mean, other than like, oh, well, this, you know, maybe this hammer has some, you know, rare earth metal in it that only requires half the strength. And if you, if you use it the way you've been using it, not only are you going to damage your surface, you're going to damage the hammer. Like maybe there's this weird, 
you know, uh, update of muscle memory that needs to happen. I, I don't know. But yeah. I, I think about it a lot. Well, I guess it, 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 the question to me becomes, does it actually make the work better or is it just a maybe more efficient way of doing it? Mm-hmm. I think that there, there are people for whom efficiency really matters. You know, if if you're an event person or a wedding person, it's like, if I can tell you it'll take 20% less time to process these 4,000 photos you took, well, then that's a real advantage, right? Because that can right. get you back right, right, an right. hour of time. Um, well, okay. So how do, how would it work? You know, let's say you're on set with, with an art director or picture editor or whatever, yeah. and you're doing something for a magazine and, and the, the last three or four photographers they've worked with have been people who take advantage of, you know, the camera or take advantage of different kinds of, of shooting modes. And they're, they're not doing it all by hand. So it takes them less time that, then it's going to take you. Sure. Do you feel like you're at a disadvantage and have to explain yourself at that point? Well, I've, I've never been in that exact situation, but I mm, could imagine mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. being, honestly, I, I generally find that I have far more technical understanding than most of my photographer yeah, yeah. friends. I can see that. I can see that. Um, they're usually the ones who are just like, well, I don't understand why it's doing this. It's like, wait, hold on a second. You don't understand why it's doing that. How long have you been a photographer? See, and that's the disadvantage with some of the auto modes is if it, if, if, you know, it's, it's, and I hate throwing him under the bus, but it's kind of like the Kelby tutorials that he used to do. And I don't know what he's doing now, but it used to be like, okay, set this slider here, click this radio button, set this slider here. And there's your result. Well, if your result didn't turn out that way, then you go, well, wait, what do I do to fix it? I don't know how to get it. Wait, why, why did, why did you make those moves? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because just turning the knobs or sliding the dials, yeah, you might get lucky today, but in a pinch where you don't understand what's going on, are you going to be kicking yourself and wondering why it doesn't look right? Yeah. If I'm not using your sample image and and it's yielding different results, how do I get to where I need to be? And I think that's the danger of not learning. One of the dangers anyway, of not learning, you know, to your credit, all the t- maybe not all because you you pride yourself on going really deep, but yes, but you you know more than the average bear. Yes, um, but I think that's that's where that becomes valuable is when things don't go the way you want them to, and you're on set and there's a client looking at you and the models waiting and the you know all that terrifying. other stuff. And, and it's absolutely yeah. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. If if you're if you're under the gun, and I mean, listen, none of the stuff that I'm doing or any most of us are doing is life or death, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm, if it mm-hmm. takes another five minutes to whatever, it's like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But that feeling where I only have a few minutes and the flash isn't flashing right, or it's doing something weird, or my camera's locking up for some strange reason and I got to pop the battery out and pop it back in and like, oh, wait, yeah. why did why is it no longer tethering to the computer? Ah, you know. Yeah. You've got three minutes with Tom Cruise and he's out the door. What do you do? Yeah, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And now my, this is part of the reason why I generally keep my workflow crazy simple. It's like, I don't tether unless I absolutely have to, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's, is it nice to be able to see the images on the computer screen instead of the back screen or in the little EVF thing? Sure. Um, will I have a better one more point of failure, potential right. point of failure yeah. now, if, if, if I were more of a Dan Winters kind of guy or wanted to go in that direction. And it's all about, I am tweaking the power of these strobes down to a 10th of a stop. And there's Mm. four strobes and I'm bringing this one up and this one down and this, let me try that one up again. No, 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 back it off. Okay. No. How about that third one? 
you know, where you're really tuning stuff mm-hmm. in camera. Um, showing it on the computer screen would be a lot better. Right. Because that's right, a much right, more right. accurate screen. And it's what I'm going to be looking at when I open it up in, in Capture One. Would I come up with better work doing it that way? Maybe, you know, those aren't the kinds of pictures that I generally take or I'm fine getting it within the ballpark and saying, you know what, I'll deal with that later. That's that's the advantage of this camera having all this dynamic range and everything is that I can play with it later. I don't need to get it perfect now. Um, right. You know, I was talking I mean, you, to- You could tether it to, to the iPad though with Capture One now, can't you? Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what, I mean, one of the big reasons I bought the Fuji was because of its tethering speed and quality is way better than the Pentax. I mean, and you're not much you're not camera. wired, right? It's it's Bluetooth no, or something, or what is it? It yeah. is wired. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, I do wired. The yeah. Canon, I think Canon and Nikon and Sony can do wireless tethering to Capture One now. Hmm. And when I borrowed Matt Carr's uh, R5 for a hot minute, I actually set it up and got it working, but it quickly stopped working, and I just thought, man, I would never use this on set. Like oh, wow. this, would, so what is it? Is it just shooting in. a JPEG preview over or what is it doing? No, it sends the raw over. Does it really? I mean, it's over Wi-Fi. So it's got bandwidth, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Wi-Fi oh. six. I think it ends up making like an ad hoc Wi-Fi network. Hmm. Um, anyway, it worked. It totally worked. And, and, you know, you could do it, but you know, if I'm going to tether, I'm going to plug in and, and, and have it work, you know? Um, I have a friend who does food photography and she has the Fuji and she's just like, Oh, I don't even know what it feels like in the hand. I've always got it on a stand and I'm totally <laughs> controlling it from the computer. No, Really? Yeah. Wow. She's like, Oh, I've never, I've, I've never, I've, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, that you, I'm sure you're right, but I don't use it that way. I stick it on a big giant stand and I wheel it over to where the camera is supposed to be and then wow. I back up to where the, you know, and I'll tell an assistant, no, push it in an inch. All right. Yeah. Bring it down. Okay. Perfect. And now I'm going to sit here and change all the settings from capture one. Wow. And hit the button on capture one. So foreign to me. That's so it's, I mean, look, bravo. And I'm sure the photos are, are terrific. Oh, she's amazing. But it it just feels at that point, you're just sort of remote viewing. Yeah. Well, cause to her, it's, it's a little bit like a Vic Muniz thing, right? Where, where, the, the 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 photograph is the final mm-hmm. recording of what you're making but what you're making is the stuff in front of the camera mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. her case it's you know lighting food and and all the the crazy stuff that food photographers do right but yeah totally totally diff- i mean that's the weird thing about what we do is that i will talk to five pros and we all have wildly different processes of how we work you know like um this this fashion photographer cody i met a few weeks ago at the adobe event you know he was just saying that he you know how much he shoots it's like you know hundreds of frames he's just shooting like you know he's working with models the models are moving he'll give them a line he'll you know try this try that and he's just like snap 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 because like he doesn't need to interact with the models the models are there to be models right like you know they're not quote-unquote normal people (laughs) you know like it's, yeah, it's a, I mean, well, they're a, probably acutely aware of, of what they have to do and their own expertise. And they, yeah, they know how at to move. At some point, like, do I, do I even need you to tell me? I know exactly. what I'm doing here yeah. at that level, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, You know, um, and I don't, there are some people like me who go in and really direct the people. 
you know, I'll go sit here, do this. And I guess to some, some subjects that makes them feel more comfortable because you're telling them what to do and they don't have to bother about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to like to just sort of talk to them and, and maybe sit, Oh yeah, just lean your butt against there. And yet turn to me a little bit. Okay, perfect. And let's try that. And maybe it leads to something and maybe it doesn't. Maybe I get frustrated in my own head, but like, I just kind of want to see what organically comes out where other people will say, sit here, cross your arms, turn your head, you know, like, 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 you know, when you see those speaking of like Instagram things where they're like five great poses for men, yeah, you know, <laughs> stepping off a curb, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The lean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I look at those and I go, you know what? That is a pretty good pose. I would yeah. feel like an idiot telling somebody to do that. Just yeah. me personally, because yeah. it looks so awkward in real life, even if it looked cool. And, you know, here, get down on your haunches. You know, that sort of like, you know, like squatting down and like elbow on right. your knee right. kind of thing. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. couldn't tell somebody to do that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell some, you know. CEO type to like get down on his knees and it's like, no, no. Take your shoes off for a minute. Let's, yeah. let's explore something. <laughs> what? Right. What? It's never <laughs> going to happen. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Hey, you're speaking, speaking of models real quick. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen this, I, I, I want to mention this on Apple TV. There's a documentary called the supermodels. I've watched almost all of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, if, if you're into like eighties and nineties, photography, fashion, photography, beauty, photography, uh, go check this out. It's Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, and uh, uh, oh, oh, Linda Evangelista. Right. Um, Who's missing really from there? Let's see. Christy Stephanie Turlington. Seymour. Uh, Stephanie Seymour is missing from there. Um, Kay Moss um, was after. Who's the one that was in? Uh, what's her name? Gosh, I follow her on Instagram too. She was in the the Wicked Game video. Oh, uh, wait, who was in the Wicked Game? You video? know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, Helena Christensen. Yes. Helena yes, Christensen, yes, yes. Who's, who still looks fabulous, gorgeous, beautiful, wonderful. By and the way, she's a photographer herself. You, by know, the way. you know who looks the best in that to me? Hmm. Christy Turlington. Is, 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 she, I think I that, always thought she was just so poised and beautiful. Oh, and God. Elegant and she and, still does it. Like, I just, yeah. you just look at her and you go, man, you've, like, you just look like a whole person. Like, yeah. the, the, all the rest of them kind of feel like they're putting on airs and she doesn't. She always struck me as kind of like the, um, um, almost like the golden age Hollywood glamour. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, just really kind of timeless. Whereas if you look at Cindy Crawford and no disrespect, because they're all amazing yeah, sure, they're at, at what beautiful they've done. Women, yes. But Cindy is definitely of a period, you know, yep. uh, 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 Elle McPherson seems sure. like of a period. Um, who's, who's the one who did the, uh, the guests, the guests campaign um i think they all tragically have at some point died uh uh blonde bombshelly kind of oh uh, that kind of uh, marilyn uh, monroe yeah yeah the 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 one who married the old guy yeah um wow you know what i'm talking about anyway, yes yes definitely of a period whereas as christy turlington time she's got a look and a and a, and a, a demeanor that it, it just it's so elegant it is interesting listening to them talk about there's also a real, real difference between all of them and the way they see their work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as much as they talk. Oh, you know, we're sisters. We've been in this together. All, you know, they're very dissimilar when they talk about what they do. Cindy's basically like, 
you know what? People wanted me and I became a big thing and I will give people what they want. And, you know, and then Linda's Linda doesn't seem very bright sometimes. She's kind of like, I don't know. I kind of went along with it and I'm beautiful. So, um, and Naomi seems like she's not Naomi. Yes. Yeah. Naomi Campbell. Uh, She, she seems like she's like, uh, little, 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 little short with people. (laughs) She feels the most sort of, this is a business. Yes. This is my business. Like she feels the most sort of business savvy of just in the way it's presented. And, and, and I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff about her being a black woman doing that. You know what I mean? Like Mm, that, mm -hmm, like that, mm -hmm. the the race element of that is a whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. What I found, what the reason why I mostly watched it was just, just to see the scenes where they were being photographed. Yeah. Um, and watching the way, especially some of these old time fashion photographers were like, I have a white seamless and I have one big bright light. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do your thing. And I'm going to snap away. And it's like, wait, yeah. that's really how it worked. Cause I guess that's just why you hired these people because they're so good in front of the camera. And it's kind of true. You know, you guys just do mm. your thing and they're just like leaning and turning and whatever it is. And they're snapping and they show the pictures and you're like, yep. That looks great. You know, See, I, I think we, I think it's easy to, to downplay a, a model, but those, those, those women and, and really any model at that level, the ability to know how you look on camera. Sure. I think that's a skill that is, that is incredible. Oh, I, to I, know yeah. if I drop my shoulder this way, or if I'm turned to the left this way, or if I'm square on like, to, to know how you're going to look and be able to move uh, is very impressive to me. Oh, yeah. These people are, I mean, absolutely. In fact, Not I unlike th- dancers in that respect. And I think at their time and place, uh, this is going to get me in trouble with photographers in the 80s. <laughs> That's right. I, Most of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> Kidding. I think that there was a time uh, in the 50s, 60s, and maybe early 70s when fashion photography, nah, this isn't always true. I'm just going to blanket this. This is not true, but I'm going to say it anyway, that it had a lot, that the photographers had the ideas and the models were just sort of, you know, the, 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 the thing in front of the camera that did what they told them to do. Sure. Early on, they were props. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think that changed, though, I think. Yes. I think that I think that it changed um, in maybe the late 70s, 80s, when these women came along, especially these women. I mean, there were men, obviously, male models. But yes, um, where it became more about them than the people taking pictures of them. And to the point where they were the one directing their shoots as much as the people Mm, who were mm -hmm. asking them, hiring them, you know, they wanted Christy Turlington because Christy Turlington was what you wanted in front of the camera and the ad, you know, and right, right. The product or the clothing almost became secondary in some cases. And I think that, I think that there was a period of time that probably coincided with a lot of drugs in the industry where the photographers just came in and we're getting paid money to just sort of like point the camera at this beautiful person who was moving in a beautiful way. And the results were great, but the results were great, probably less because of the photographer in a lot of cases and more just because of this beautiful person that society's mm. 
already sort of claimed as beautiful, if that makes any sense. And, and so, you know, I think, I mean, there were, there were your Herb Ritzes and the people who were doing things yeah, that were sure. elevated. Man, Paolo Herb, Reversi. Herb Ritz's That's another stuff. one. Oh, Paolo Reversi. Yeah. I mean, there were those people who were doing work that was special, but a lot of the pictures that were used in a lot of those ads were like, the pictures are great, but really it's about that person in front of the camera. Yeah. 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 The um, Herbert stuff, though. I mean, I saw the Herbert show at the Getty, and I was just blown away. Oh, it's it's so 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 good. Like, and the quality, whoever's printing that work, the oh, quality of the printing was outstanding. God, it's it's yeah. There's that stuff that I almost don't even understand how they did it that well. You know, like mm. how how clean it is. He was 50 years old when he died. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and so so, yeah, you're right. Clean, you know, um. Anyway, so, but I think that maybe, uh, while there are obviously a lot of models now doing stuff and you can get beautiful models and have beautiful models come over and take pictures with them. And it is, if you haven't ever photographed somebody who's really good looking, it's, <laughs> you, you think you suddenly powered up. It, it, it reminds me, I used to have, I had a professor at Berkeley who was a, uh, I think it was Carl who said it. Carl Beatty, who was this monster engineer back in the day. And he said, you know, I remember coming in and working with Nathan East. You know the bass player, Nathan oh, East? Oh, yeah, sure. Bass player. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. He's just like, I had a shoot. It was my first shoot or my first shoot, <laughs> my first uh, session. <laughs> Wait, it, he was also a photographer? In LA with like some of these heavyweights. And he's just like, and so the first thing I did, normally I would, I would, the bass would come into the board. I would put it through a compressor and then put it to tape. That's what people did, right? You just, you know, mm -hmm. you like you level off with some compression. And I said, yeah, you know, I go on the talk back and I say, hey, uh, yeah, could you play something, please? And he's just fiddling around, playing, doing the thing. And he says, and I go over to the to the compressor to sort of to you know change the settings and control like the the. And he goes, every single note was coming to exactly zero vu, like wow. <laughs> like like. I didn't, oh. I didn't need to compress him because he's a monster, right? You know, right. he's just, right, right, right. what is what it is. And he even said, he's just like, I became so much better of an engineer when I worked with better players. Mm. And you kind of wonder then how much of all of us is just our access to better set design people, better fashion, better clothes, better, you know what I mean? How much sure. of, yeah, sure. if you, if you took half of these, if you took Herb Ritz and said, you don't get any of that stuff, you don't have a team and you have, you know, this person who's a teenager with acne on their face and, and, and like weird hair. All right. Make them look good. How good could they make them look? Would they actually be that much better than any of the rest of us? You know, I wonder sometimes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, <sighs> hmm. I wonder if it's, it's, it's a team effort. It's, you know. Yeah. And are we downplaying the importance of collaboration in favor of I'm the individual who made this happen, whatever this is? Sure. I, I think we totally are. Or, or we give credit to one person when that credit is very much spread. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I often make comments or, or gush a little bit about whatever Spielberg movie I've recent Spielberg movie I've seen. And like, I don't like all of them as, I don't think they're all brilliant, but they all look and are put together brilliantly. 
you know, anything Spielberg's done in the last 20 years is just like masterclass in making a movie, right? And it's not just because of Spielberg, it's because of the team Spielberg put together. Right. And because right. he knows in the same way that I think Tarantino knows and all these directors know, because movie making is very much a collaborative thing. You can't just be a one person movie maker. No. No. Would, would and and would, you know, would would any director be what they are without the DP that they sure. partner with? You know, I I remember uh that kind of thing. What was the Daft Punk the record about 10 years ago? That was like the big one with uh Get Happy you know, on I, and stuff. I, I was never really a big fan. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um but that record, you know, you 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 uh you got what's his name? Um guitar player, Niall Rogers mm. to come play. You got Mick Kazowski, who's one of the best mix engineers who's ever lived. You bring in all these people. It's like, well, okay, is this record really your record? I guess it is. Your name is on it and you paid for everything. But like, how much actually playing did you do on this? Or did you just point to people and say, do that thing you do that's amazing? Right. You, you, ever, you ever see that video of J.R. Uh, Robinson? He's, he's the uh, drummer who played on a million things, including rock with you. Mm, okay. And there's a video. He tells the story all the time where he's just like, yeah, you know, we did a take and it worked, but like something was missing. And Quincy comes out with Rod Temperton, the guy who wrote the song. And he's just like, JR, can, can you have a fill up front? Like something that is so amazing and identifiable that it'll forever be connected to this song. Can you do that? And Jair is a little, little cocky. He's like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> and he's like, one, two. He's like, bum, bra, bum, ba, da, 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 bam, ten, ten. And he's just like, and that's what we did. And th- we did one take. And that was the take. Wow. But that is, a, that is a great fill, by the way. Oh, it's a great fill. But but it, it, is that Quincy Jones or is that him knowing to hire this guy who's this monster drummer who he can say, can you do this? And the guy goes, yeah, I can do that. Right. You know, so yeah, maybe it is collaboration. Maybe it's about being a CEO more than about being a person in a room cutting your ear off. Was he in a field cutting yes. his ear off? Huh? What? When did he cut his ear off? In a field? In the, no, he shot himself in a field. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Gotta look that up. It was a bad choice, wherever it was. <laughs> don't cut your ear off, kids. Don't cut your ear off. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, maybe I should start collaborating more. Maybe that'll be the trick. Maybe that'll make what makes me good. (laughs) I don't think it'll make you good. I think it'll make you different. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have, you have your way of doing things. Like I, I, you know, I've told you this before. I would love for you to send, you know, three raw files to three different retouchers and say, go crazy. Sure. Do what you want to do on this and see how it comes back. And and not that you have to use any of it, but just to see how other people would see the final product of your work. And and maybe that maybe that sparks something in you to go, you know what? I didn't I didn't expect this here. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah. You know? I mean, the trick about it now is that it's very hard to get good people without paying them. Yeah, right? sure. 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 So, sure, sure. you know, I can have uh yeah, that would that would that experiment would end up costing you some money. Yeah, it would say, okay, I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars on this test shoot, 
just to get a good makeup artist here and to get a really good assistant who yeah. does yeah. lighting with so-and-so and, and, and a good location. Um, it's, it, that would be a, that would be a, a real test. It's like, I'm, I'm almost too, I'm too old or too far along in my career to have people around me who are also low enough in our careers that we'll just get together to do stuff for fun. That's an interesting thing about being a younger person. You, you, you can, you can put on the play to save the clock tower. You know what I'm saying? And you think that dies with age? Uh, I think people get busier. Hmm. You know, I, that's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I remember this was probably a couple of years ago when we were talking about at some point we were talking about your drabbles and yeah. one of the things you had said was that, you know, it, it was easier to do those then because we all had a lot more time. Yes. Yeah. And to, to say to somebody now, hey, you, I know you've got, you know, a job, kids, wife, husband, whatever it is, spouse. Can you take three hours out of your day and let's go do this photo that is just kind of for fun? Right. That becomes much more difficult. It does. And, and yeah. there you can find people, but they're generally younger people, which is fine sometimes. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. those younger people are now working with younger people that are their age. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing just generations up. It slides along. Um, in the same way that, you know, if you were out, if you were the kind of person who like hung out at bars and went drinking in your 20s, it's like, well, some of those people are going to get married, not going to go to the bar. They're busy or whatever it is. And then by your 40s, now you're the guy trying to hang out with the 20-year-olds now at the bar. You start You're being Matthew McConaughey. You start being the creepy guy. I don't want to be the creepy guy. <laughs> right. I keep uh, getting older. They stay the same. Yeah, exactly. Stay, yeah. stay, stay the same age. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's definitely part of that. I mean, I um, I reached out to a few people yesterday, actually, just people who have been on my mind of like, man, I need to take a picture of that person, or I need to try this with that person, and I've been procrastinating. It's like, nope, just send out some emails, and um. The couple of people I wrote yesterday both got back to me and we were setting things up. You know, there was a guy I met named Richard Haynes, who is an illustrator, hmm. a fashion illustrator, has this like hmm. really loose style, like almost like sketch kind of style, you know, like one of those kinds of guys. Right. I'm looking <clears throat> him up. Um, H-A-Y? H-A-I-N-E-S, I think. H-A-I. Uh, Richard Haynes, fashion illustrator. Here we go. Yep. And oh yeah, this is nice. Nice stuff. Uh, Heather and I were at the Reina Sofia, the museum that has Guernica in it in Madrid. Um, on, I guess this was 2018, maybe. Uh, whenever I went to Spain, and um, I was doing my daily thing, right? So I was even on my trip. I needed to find people. And we're just walking around and, and my thing when I'm on a trip is just like, oh, I see something, somebody interesting, I'll go over and say hi to them or whatever. And I saw him walking through the museum and, uh, you know, he was interesting. He was interesting looking older guy. He was, seemed to be alone at the museum. So I was like, oh, this could be the guy. And then by the time I sort of got up the gumption to go talk to him, he was gone. And I was like, oh, mm. crap. And then we go downstairs to the cafe and he's sitting having a coffee at the cafe. 
And so I go up to him and I said, you know, I'm doing this thing, blah, 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 blah. Would you mind? And he's like, it turns out he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, not, not European at all. He's from Brooklyn. Right. And so I, uh, was he there on a gig or on vacation or what was I he think doing? he was on vacation as I recall. Um, but anyway, I, I do this thing. Sure. I took a few shots and, and that trip, I think I was actually shooting on my phone. I didn't bring a big camera with me. So I took a few pictures and I used one of them for the thing. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I got to go to this, meet this guy again at his studio and, 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 and do another one. And it was, it was only until yesterday that I said, damn it, I'm going to do that. So I like message him and I was like, Hey man, like you and I met 2018 in Madrid. I don't know if you remember. And he's like, Oh yeah. You know, I said, I'd love to come by. He's like, yeah, come by my studio. So I'm going next week to his studio to like take some pictures, you know, That's just great. for fun. That's great. But, but I need to, I think we all get complacent and sometimes it's just, you just got to push yourself out of the nest and just, no, 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 just go do it. What else are you going to do? You know, you're going to sit at home and not shoot somebody. Just go take some pictures. Get off your ass. Um, so yeah. Anyway, a re- interesting guy. And he's, uh, he's become very successful on, on the Instas and whatnot. Yeah, his style, his style is really cool. It's very loose. Very loose. Some pictures of his studio. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You do. I mean, you can put me in touch with him. You like, uh, uh, you like interesting, like illustration like that, don't you? I love it. Yeah. yeah. Such yeah. a, such a weird thing. Yeah. What, the let's let's that work talk is, offline. If, if there's a way you can maybe connect me with him, that would be Yeah, cool. let me, I'll, I'll figure it out. And we will make it happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just a whole thing. Anyway, where are we at? 53 minutes. What, uh, you got anything else? Hmm. Not really. Yeah, I've been drinking. You, you're, you're a coffee guy. You ever drink tea? I do. Uh, do Not as put, much as coffee. Do you put sugar or milk in it? Honey. No, honey. Just honey. Honey. Okay, but I I, it's mostly kind of chai tea, so I put a little bit of honey and a little bit of milk or something. I've been doing the PG Tips black tea, and I just leave the bag in the whole time. Yeah, which I think is by like, the end it gets really bitter. Yeah, but it's like seven hundred milligrams of caffeine. I think <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the show, I'm far more wired than <laughs> the beginning. Right. <laughs> Take you out to a forest and just watch you bounce around like a pinball. Hey, I went and saw uh, uh, one last thing. I went and saw uh, "Merrily We Roll Along." which is a Sondheim musical from ah, okay. 1981, 1980, 1981. That was a huge flop. Only did 19 performances on Broadway and got canceled. Mm. Um, but it was Jason Alexander, one of his first things on Broadway. Oh, wow. uh, Lonnie Price, who uh, played the guy who, the kid who ends up being the producer of the Muppets in Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, you know, like right. the nerdy kid with the glasses. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That guy is is was in it originally, and actually made it. He made a documentary about it that was on Netflix for a long time called "The Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened," which I think we may or may not have talked. No, it probably happened when uh, you and I were not doing the show. Anyway, great documentary on the the original making of the musical. Anyway, since since it failed. Uh, Sondheim reworked it and the guy who wrote the book reworked it a little bit. And the, the I'll get just the, the quick synopsis is, is that it's about three friends, a, 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 a musician, 
a lyricist friend of his and their writer female friend who met in college. And over the course of their lives, they go in different directions. And the, mm. the musician guy ends up like producing movies and sleeping with all kinds of women and cheating on his wife and, you know, going in that direction and becomes very successful, but kind of really unhappy. Yeah. The, the, the female is in love with the musician guy becomes a very successful author, but then ends up drinking because she's in love with the guy and he doesn't want anything to do with her. And they end up like split up at the end of it. Like she's just miserable, sad person who drinks. And then the third guy who's the lyricist is sort of the guy who just won't give up the ghost. He's like, stop making these movies. Let's get back to the piano. This is what you really love doing. And by the end of it, none of them talk to each other and it's miserable. But the conceit of the show is that they tell it in reverse order. It starts at a party at the end where the guys, everyone's having a great time. My movie was a success. Everyone's doing blow and drinking and whatever. Right, right, right. But ultimately he's really unhappy. Is it reverse linear or do they bounce around even though they start at the reverse end? Reverse linear. They start at the end oh, and wow. it's like three years prior, next scene. Oh, wow. Three years wow, prior, wow, wow. next scene. And goes from like 1977 all the way back to 1957 when they're like just leaving college. And wow. they meet on the roof of this building. And they make a pact with themselves that it's like, it's us against the world. We're going to like change the world. We're going to be the people that they write about. And, and, and it's incredibly sad because there's no redemption. Like you see Mm. it all fall apart backwards. Right. But there's no thing where they jump back to the present as it were and see him call them up or whatever it is. Wow. So it doesn't ever tie up or resolve. It doesn't resolve. And so, uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, and Daniel Radcliffe. Love him. Uh, were were the two male leads um along with the the female lead who is normally in it let me just get this right because she is a uh, Lindsay Mendez who has been in a million things and has tony awards she's like you know super mm. successful person um yeah she won tony and drama desk awards for Car- she was in carousel uh, and she won a bunch of stuff she's like whatever so it's like basically like three lions of broad young Broadway um, in the show together. She wasn't in it the day we saw it last Tuesday. Um, somebody subbed in, but the sub knocked, absolutely knocked it out of the park and killed it to the point where I was like, man, I can't imagine the, 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 the real lead being any better than that. You know, one of those right. kinds of situations. Wow. But it just made me think you, you see the people making all the mistakes all along the way. Right. You can see where they screw up and where they apologize or don't apologize. You can see how it all slowly falls apart. And there's a there's a there's a element to the story that 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 the 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 youthful vigor and belief they had when they met and they sort of made this pact is itself folly and life is going to tear away the threads at the edge of that and it's not going to survive and mm. there's no way that it could survive and that in the end you're lamenting something that you th- thought you had but that thing never really existed in the first place it's a very sad show as you can tell yeah 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 but i wow. guess my question to you is and this might be a bigger question than right now we could talk about it next time if you want but do you think that's true 
Do you Which think en- entropy is inevitable in in yes. in your beliefs? Yes. Yeah. That we're all yeah. that we're all going to get. And, and maybe not entropy. Maybe maybe not a complete sort of disintegration. But they have to change. Change is fine. I, I guess it's it, it's the superficial. It's not superficial change. I don't mean superficialize in it doesn't matter. I mean superficialize in. Of course, your life is going to change. And the things that you're doing is going to change. But should your core beliefs change over your life? I suppose it's one of the questions is when did you establish those core beliefs? If you decide at 16, this is what I believe about the world and this is what I believe about about myself. Yes, they should change because at 16, you don't know anything. Yeah. When do you know anything? Do you know anything at 50? I know more than (laughs) I know more than I did more than you did at 40 hmm? but yeah but i don't know as much as i'd like yeah you know do you think that any of that knowledge has for lack of a better word like corrupted the things that you thought you would accomplish and you wish you didn't know it corrupted that's an interesting word Uh, it's a a lazy word but it's the best i can come up with Mm, i don't know i mean i i think what I want or what I expect from my life has changed dramatically, even in the last five years. Um, how I see myself is still probably, you know, on, on a sliding scale, it's still probably in the negative zone. You know, I don't, I wish I could see me the way other people see me, the way Adrian sees me, the way my mom saw me, the way my stepmother sees me. I wish I could see myself that way, but I don't. Sure. I see myself the way I see me. Yeah. And and with all of that coloration and with all of that sort of history. Yeah. Um do I think it needs to ch- I think it needs to change. I mean I think it on I mean not to be sort of this is the point of living but that's kind of the point of living, right? Is yes. is transformation from from belief systems, from opinions, from goals, from you know whatever it is. Um I think the minute you have anything figured out or when you think you have it figured out, that's a sad day because there, no matter where you're at, that's, there's still more to do. There's still more to learn. There's still more to experience. There's more empathy. There's more compassion. There's more grief. There's more joy. You could argue that the, the, the minute you think you have something figured out, there is no figuring things out. So you're wrong. (laughs) You think you have it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these, it's one of those shows that has absolutely, I've spent the last week thinking about it. Wow. That's cool. And it, it sort of floored me at a, at a pretty intense, uh, session with my therapist the next day. Right. Um, because I still feel like the things that I wanted when I was younger are still the things that I want today. And I feel sometimes as if people think that that is, I don't know, somehow itself adolescent and not giving those things up is childish. But I don't think the things that I wanted are themselves childish. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but if that if, if wanting if still wanting those things serves yeah. serves you, sure, doesn't hurt anybody else, serves yeah. you, 
maybe acts as fuel, maybe acts as motivation, maybe uh, are, are in some ways cautionary tales of how not to behave, how not to treat people, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Sure. Yep. Then, then who cares? Why not hold on to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, it was, a, it was a funny thing at the end where they, the three leads came out and it was Broadway Cares. I guess there's a month or weeks uh, where you, they ask everyone on Broadway, they, they, have these red buckets and they ask for donations to Broadway cares, which like helps out people in the Broadway world who, you know, are having medical problems right. and whatever, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a real a good organization. And, and who, who, who aren't the Daniel Radcliffe's and, and can afford X, Y, Z. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah By yeah. the way, you know how much money he supposedly has? No. hundred million bucks. Really? He made 50 million pounds for the last two movies of Harry Potter. Wow. Anyway, they're up on stage. Groff goes. And, and, and then there's Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much money does he have? I think he got $100 million just for Marvel. Wow. Anyway, uh, he's they're up on stage and, you know, Jonathan Groff comes out. The three of them come out and Groff's like, hey, we're raising money. Before you guys leave, uh, we're raising money for Broadway Cares. It's that time of year. Blah 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 blah. And he hands it over to the to the the woman who's who's playing Mary Flynn, and she's just and he tries to hand her like the little piece of paper. She's like, "Don't worry, I'm off book." And then she goes <laughs> off and, and and does like her little spiel. It was pretty cute. And then they That's go funny. over to Daniel Radcliffe, who's been playing an American the entire time, but suddenly he's back with his British accent and sounds like Harry Potter. It's just like, "Hey, look at this Harry Potter on stage." <laughs> and he makes a really funny comment. He's just like, "Listen." I know a lot of you guys, you know, you spent a lot of money to be here tonight. Tickets on Broadway aren't cheap. We appreciate the fact that you're here, blah, 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 blah. He's like, but statistically, it's New York City. Some of you have got to be loaded. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Which I just thought was really cute. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, merrily we roll along. Uh, it's playing until I think March. Uh, if you're into this sort of thing or like Sondheim musicals, I have by chance seen five Sondheim musicals in the, in the last year. And this was my favorite. Nice. Uh, even though it was a giant failure when it first came out. Uh, they mm. When they did it, originally it was like 19-year-olds and 16-year-olds like playing 40-year-olds. You know, they went all the way back to high school. Where right. this one, they sort of end at college. And it's, it's like like Dawson's Creek. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but this one, you know, these people are... 30 years old playing 40 and 20. Um, and so it kind of, it works a little bit better. Um, anyway, Hey, uh, in sad news, you're going to say something. Sorry. Yeah. I got one, uh, one more thing that sure. I, for, I forgot about. Uh, and, and you just made me think of it. 40 year olds playing whatever. Uh, I watched a lost boys panel over oh the weekend. Boy. Uh, and it was, it's a recent one, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Kiefer, Jason Patrick, Alex winter, and, uh, gosh, how'd that go? The over? other, the other guy, um, it, they were really sweet. They were all really, really sweet. And, and Kiefer in particular was so gracious about, he's like, he comes out and he's like, I think I've met everyone in this room. So hello again, you know, and thank you. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. just such a gracious guy. And, and, and none of them downplayed the significance of the movie and how it has affected other people. Sure. You know, they're, they're yeah. all very grateful for the opportunity. And it, it made me think of, uh, he and Jason Patrick, Kiefer and Jason Patrick did a play on Broadway. They did that championship season. Okay. Which was written by Jason Patrick's father and won the Pulitzer. Oh. Uh, 
which was kind of interesting. And then the other two guys said they came to see it, but they've all remained friends over yeah. the past yeah. 38, whatever years, 34 years. Um, anyway, that's all. It just, it, I'll, I'll send you a link to it uh, if cute. you're interested in watching it. I like the idea that these people are still friends years and years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do too. I watched it. I've been watching on the rower. There was a, apparently, uh, sorry, skateboard nerd stuff, but, um, uh, the bones brigade back in the day. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Mike McGill owns skate shops and he was opening a skate shop, a new one. And so he asked the other bones brigade people to come down to just do a little signing and like, you know, drink wine and have a, you know, an opening thing. And they thought a couple hundred people would show up and thousands of people showed up to oh, the point no where way. they couldn't get in. So they decided to do this like paid thing where, you know, you pay X hundreds of dollars and for three days, you're all at this like skate park, hanging out with these guys and, Whatever. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And you get a, you get a deck signed by all of them as part of it. And, oh, wow. And, uh, they did a Q and a, and it's up on YouTube and they have these like, you know, moments where like all these guys have been known each other for their entire careers and they're still friends and they're still yeah. putting up videos with each other, you know, riding pools or at the ramp or whatever. Um, and it's so cute. Cause like at one point somebody asked the question, like, you know, who, who, uh, who was your hero? in skateboarding like when you're when, and tony grabs the mic and he's just like i just want to claim rodney right now yeah, rodney yeah. 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 and rodney's sitting there being all rodney and like you know cute <laughs> and it's so cute and then rodney picks up he's like he's like in reciprocity um you know tony's really been like the two of them are yeah, so yeah, cute yeah, together yeah. and you're like man you people are in your 50s and you're still adorable yeah you know and Tony's and just only like, ever done that one thing yeah, for their entire yeah. lives. I mean, and they're lucky they were there at the right place at the right time. They were the people who made it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, sure, all of sure, that's sure, true. Sure. But just they, as much as to, to, to the point of the Merrily thing, like as much as the world has changed around them and yes, they've changed their parents and they own businesses and whatever it is, they're fundamentally still the same people seemingly that they were when they were younger. At least that's what it feels like when they're talking. They certainly don't feel like a bunch of people are like, well, when I was a kid, I did this silly right, skateboarding right, right, right. thing, you know? Um, now just to throw a stick in the spokes. Yeah. Has, has fame and money and notoriety allowed them to remain those same people. Yeah. Very, very, very much possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean, not, you know, Tony made, millions of dollars on the video games does mike mcgill yeah. have millions of dollars from video games no 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 you know uh I, rodney I mean, mullen Tony made is... millions of dollars from world industries does you know does lance right. mountain have that kind of money no no yeah tony tony and rodney are by far i would imagine the most successful of that whole group yes yeah, yeah. financially anyway probably more so than stacy peralta and 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 george powell you know? Yeah. 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 So it's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's interesting the, you know, the, the way the lightning strikes is not, doesn't always make sense. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's, if you're a nerd of those kinds of things, it's worth looking up on, on YouTube. I'll find a, I can put it in the show notes. It's, it's cute. Uh, the way, the way people ask the questions and stuff, it's pretty cute. Um, Hey, uh, sad, uh, slightly, well, Sad news. He was an older man. Uh, Larry Fink, who was uh, Larry Fink. Yeah, I was hoping you'd you would use him. Really great photographer. Um, passed away this past year or past week, rather. Um, and I, you know, did you see Dan's uh, little little uh, not not tribute, but post on Instagram about Larry? I he did. Had just yes. just seen him. Yeah, that was yeah. nice. Um, 
And we're going to put, we'll, we'll put some links in the show notes, but man, I mean, you know, one of these photographers, like it's not, he, he was, he was like a street and cultural photographer and, and, and captured very much the way things felt at a at very specific periods of time. Does that make sense? I, yeah. 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 Like an ethnographer, a visual ethnographer. Yeah. Very well put. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, not all the pictures are the most flattering and not all the pictures, a lot of the pictures like taken out of context are not necessarily extraordinary, but then when you put them in with a bunch of others, you, you can understand the eye that they had for what they were trying to do. Does that, I'm, I'm yeah. doing it poorly. Yeah. Look at this one. This is from this Petapixel article, but look at that photo. Come on now. I just pasted it in our super oh, yeah, secret yeah, link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget it. And Forget I mean, get it. That that's. I mean, that's the kind of example of. You know. I don't think, and, and this isn't a judgment of the kids, but like the kids aren't taking a picture like that now. Is is that because people don't wear tuxes and beautiful gowns anymore? Is that a I big think you part could find that in in any club in any big city, something similar to that in any, you know, little speakeasy club kind of thing in any major city in America. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. But, but would the, you know, to your point, would anyone see it like that? Yeah. Because to some extent, the, I mean, again, like kind of everyone's kind of taking pictures nowadays. There isn't like one or two people in the room with a camera. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got their cameras going, you know? Um, doesn't mean that everyone's getting good pictures. Like you scroll down in that Petapix article, like the woman with the gun pointing it at the guy with their, with, yeah. their, with their tongue out. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, but definitely, you know, these, these, these greats of our, our, do you say our, or our, do you, our, uh, industry, you know, they're getting older and a lot of them are passing away. And I, here, this is a good one to put in the show notes if you haven't that article right there. Yeah. Oh, blind magazine. There we go. Uh, yeah. God, look at that. Look at that picture. I th I think one of the things that I really love about Fink's work, all the photos aren't pretty. No. Yeah. All the people in the photos, even though they might be beautiful under different circumstances, he wasn't concerned with their vanity. With their van great, great way to say it. He wasn't concerned with their vanity. He wasn't concerned with entertaining you. Mm -hmm. he, he was he was documenting how he saw the world, and I think that was really truly documenting it. Um, there didn't seem to be an maybe there was an agenda. I don't know much about him at all, but boy, they they sure he he didn't shy away from an unflattering photograph if it was honest. Yes. And I mean, and there's a lot of situations nowadays where people wouldn't allow you to take these pictures, yeah. you know, um, there's a nice little video on some of these, the Petapixel article also links to a YouTube, uh, thing on about time talking to him, mm -hmm. uh, which is a good video, which, uh, we'll put, we'll put all these things in the show notes. Um, anyway, Larry Fink, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's always interesting. The idea that when somebody's body of work literally comes to an end, you know, like, yeah, we're going to, 
you know, this is, this is the photo album of Larry Fink's work and the last page and close, you know, who do you think will, will be the first to do a retrospective of his work? Um, you know, museum or somewhere. Yeah. 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 Probably a private gallery. I don't, I don't know that his work. I could imagine the people at places like MoMA or the Met or these kinds of places, national gallery being, it's like a little too like low brow for them, you know, a little too, um, popular. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you have any of his books? I don't. I'm looking at, there's a, there's a Fiden, uh, used one. We're looking on the Amazon. 19, yeah. 19 bucks. It's the uh, Larry Fink. American photographer Larry Fink is the Jack Kerouac of photography. This accessible monograph reviews his 40-year career as a photographer during which he celebrated the expressiveness of the human body and its colorful and energetic sensuality. A strong supporter of social values and grassroots activism, Fink has never shied away from political and cultural critiques in his imagery. The genius of Fink lies in the way he melds social commentary with exquisite pictorial compositions of his subjects. Uh, This is the Laurie Dahlberg book. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to buy this. Yeah, there's a couple. Of, look at these used ones, 16 bucks, 14 bucks. Do you buy a lot of used art books? Yes. Yeah. Because I don't buy them other than to look at them. And I don't mind if they've got a little shelf where I'd rather them end up with me than, you know, yeah. in, a, in a landfill somewhere because somebody didn't want them. Yeah. I opened up the uh, Sergeant, the Fashion by Sergeant book that we bought last weekend in Boston. Uh, on Thanksgiving because my friend Michelle was over and she's one of the people who uh, does the vintage clothing stuff. She's like mm-hmm. a huge vintage clothing person. And I was telling her about it. She's like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. I have to go up there. I was like, here's the book. And I like popped it open so she could like look at it. And it's like, man, sometimes I these books- I want that other book. Which one? The 30s and 40s art collection. The, the one that you sent me the posters of. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's at the net. <sighs> it is- it, you know, I was talking to to Conrad about this the other day that that in some ways buying the books at the shows and I know there's the running joke about me not opening the books. But to me <laughs> the books I didn't say that. It's fine. It's a running no, joke. Wait. No, I did say that. No, you've said it multiple times. <laughs> right, that was me. I didn't say that <laughs> once. I've said it multiple times. That 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 even if you even if you don't ever open them looking at them on the shelf and just think like remembering what it was like to see those things is itself mm-hmm. kind of, it's like, these are markers of the experience of having been to these places, you know, it's yeah, like, sure. it's like a postcard. Sure. Um, and so it's, you know, I was even looking at the thing now, it's just like, Oh, there's the Vermeer book and there's the Van Gogh book and there's the <laughs> Sergeant book. And there's the Manet Degas book. Like all in the last year, I've got to see these really great shows. And it's like, man, those were some wonderful times that I'm going to look back on in very positive ways. Anyway, yeah, you should get this book. Uh, this would be Larry Fink by Laura Dahlberg, Denny, Denny Hemmings et al. from 2005. Yeah. Go grab it before Jeffrey does. <laughs> Wait, man. Too late. <laughs> Too late. A pie. Too Down low. Late. Too slow. That's right. <laughs> um, if you want to send us a voicemail like uh, Tom in Michigan does, Every week. Love you, Tom. Yep. 
929-390-1916 or send us an email podcast at ontakingpictures.com if you got a question. Jeffrey's got an answer. Uh, Do I? Sure. We, we're on Instagram <laughs> uh, at Bill Wadman at Jeffrey Storis. Sure. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We, uh, we love talking to you guys. Yeah. See you next time.